many times when it comes to our understanding of salvation and who God is, the Old Testament is so full of so many different examples and ways that symbol. The Old Testament is a shadow, all right? It's the best way I've ever been able to explain it is if you've ever watched silhouettes on a, on a screen. In other words, you have the screen, and there's this light that's shining in the back, and you've got whatever's going on in the back as a silhouette. You've got somebody standing there, and they're moving. You can make out their arms, their legs, their head, their face. But you can't really tell much, just the shadow. And then when they step out from that shadow, you get to see everything, the details, how it makes sense. That's exactly what the Old Testament is to the New Testament. We have these shadows. We have these silhouettes. And, and when Jesus comes, there's like this revelation that takes place that we get to understand all the symbolisms. It's, they're tied together. I want to start out here this morning, if I could, beginning with Exodus. And I want to walk through something that was taking place and, and try to tie that together with where we are today. And that is that in Exodus 17, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his, and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is My Banner. Now, you'll see throughout Scripture different titles that describe the characteristic of God. Uh, God, Elohim in Hebrew, is what God is. That's the general name for God. And then you come to the names Yahweh or Jehovah, which are the personal names of God. So when you see a name like Yahweh Nisi, the, the Nisi describes the character, the character of Yahweh. It's not just telling us something about God. It's telling us something about our relationship with him. There's a revelation in showing us his name and in revealing himself to us through these names. But, but uh, in, Ex in Exodus 17, the times that we're looking at here, they're, they're good for Israel, the children of Israel. I mean, they're out of bondage. They're out of slavery. They're out of Egypt. God's part of the Red Sea. They're delivered from oppression. And they're coming into this, this new land. So God's providing for them supernaturally. And, 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 you know, when they're hungry, he gives them manna in the morning, gives them quail at night. 
I call it the, the, the first pizza delivery system that existed. But uh, it, it, they were thirsty. They got water that comes out of a rock. I mean, they really got it pretty much made. And, and as we're looking at, at this particular story that we're looking at, there are several types and shadows of our New Testament relationship with Christ that we can take a look at here and that we can see. Now, again, you're going to find in the Old Testament, again, several types of shadows. The idea is the foreshadowing of a New Testament truth. So we can look at how God delivered the children of Israel from slavery, from oppression, and how he brings them into the land of promise. It is a type of salvation. That's the parallel here. It's where God delivers us from bondage of the world, bondage of sin, the bondage of, of not even having a purpose. We have purpose. God does it. And, and the nice thing, that the cool thing, the mind-blowing, is that it's free. You, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. That's what he's showing them. So they just show up at the shore, right? And, and what is God going to do? The enemy is coming to nail them. Now he's about to take them down, and God, God does what? He parts the Red Sea. And, and note, he does it by himself. All they do is they walk through on dry ground, and then he drowns the enemy coming after them. That's pretty, you know, I like that. God did it. And that's what salvation is, friend. God saves us just as we are, not as we should be. I don't, I don't get it sometimes why... Why, when people come to the Lord just as they are and God saves them, why they got to feel they got to do all this other stuff for God to accept them. God already accepted you, man. There's nothing you can add to it or take away from it. Salvation, this experience that he's teaching Israel, is that he teaches them that he is their source. He's their provision. Now, in our relationship with him, what we do is we begin to learn that God is our source, and he wants to. I mean, he wants to provide all of our needs. We're not, I'm not talking about just material here, understand, but in peace, in fulfillment, in overcoming things like anything from addiction to our hiccups and our hang-ups. He, he says... I'll heal them. Come to me and I'll, and I'll make you an overcomer. Remember that part. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But uh, he says, come to me and I'll forgive you. I'll give you a do-over. I'll make it a makeover. Second chance, whatever you want to call it. That, that's what's going on here as we're looking at this. The children of Israel get to a, a difficult stage in their relationship with God. Everything to this point has, has literally been, you know, save us, help us, ah, ooh, well, you know, and, and we're at the shore, God, do something. We're hungry, God. Where's the quail? You know, they just, you know, we're, we're thirsty. We need water. Everything was coming, but everything has been free. God's just blessing them, blessing them, blessing them. And now they come to a point where God's promise for them is life. Jesus said, if you remember his words from John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it, how? 
more abundantly. More abundantly. Not just abundantly, more abundantly. That's, again, get into that. Let's, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got freedom. It's called power over sin. Power over that independence. Not, not, don't get that. We've got power over, our, over the actions. No, no, it's not action. It's condi- the enemy can no longer separate me from God. God, God says, you know, even though I promised to you, even though I've given you power, the one thing that God shows them here, and I love what this is showing us, is that, you know what? We're also going to have to fight. How many know this isn't just, oh, I've come to Jesus and now everything is taken care of. There's a bowl of cherries there and I don't even have to eat. You know, I can walk and, and not worry about it forever. Here, here's, here's the thing. He says, even, even though I've given you the power, I've saved, you're going to, I'll give you the power, but understand there are going to be some things that you're going to have to walk out. You're going to have to do. The Bible says that we fight the fight, the good fight of faith, found in 1 Timothy. We fight the good fight of faith. We, we get saved and we're on our way to heaven, hallelujah. The power of God resides inside of us. We know that we've been forgiven, and, 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 but how many know that there can still be hurt in our life from our past? There, there can be vices in our life, habits in our life, even bad thinking in our life. So we pick it up here in Exodus chapter 17. Take, take a look at verse 8 and what it says. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Okay? Amalek and the Amalekites, these are some bad dudes, period. You just don't want to be around these kind of guys. The way they would do things is they would always attack Israel, and they would attack them, as it says here in Rephidim, which Rephidim, by the way, means a place of rest. (laughs) Try that one on for size. Many times when we get fatigued, when we get weary, when we're not pressing into God, we can open ourselves up to temptation. And when we're not connected to the right people, we can open ourselves up temptation. It's really the way that the Amalekites picked off the Israelites. They would always attack those who were straggling behind, those who were falling behind in the rear. Excuse me, and they would come up and attack them from there. Know this, please. We, you and I, were never meant to walk this walk of faith alone. We were created to be connected. Hello? That, that's, that's, I need you. You need me. We need each other. I need those that God brings into my life in order to be able to walk this walk of faith and not walk it alone, but to be connected, to exhort, to encourage each other. I love it when somebody sits and, and feeds me. I, I, was, I was at a meeting last night, and I thoroughly enjoyed what was being said in a lot of different ways. I mean, it just it just fed me, but at the same time, there are things that that well, I'm going to. How many know we need to be connected? Amen. We, we come together in the name of Jesus. Now, 
Watch this, verse 9. It says, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now, how many know <clears throat> you got something called the rod of God? You feel like you can whoop somebody. It's not a problem. The rod of God actually used to be called Moses' staff. What happened was Moses had a staff, but he has this powerful experience that you know with God on the backside of a mountain where God taught Moses to trust him and to not trust himself. Well, trust, trust himself, but to not trust in himself. If we're going to do what needs to be done, what God has called us to do, then, then we're going to need to trust God to do what he said he's going to do. Hello? So, so Moses had this staff called the staff of Moses. But when he had this encounter with God, things change. And, and this staff, you know, God, God asked him, hey, Moses, what you got in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff, which the staff represented Moses' strength. This was his strength. And, and God told him to do what? Just throw it on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground, and the power of God manifests, and it turns into a snake. What God taught Moses from that day forth is that, Moses, you cannot be who I've called you to be until you learn to trust in my strength and not in your own. And from that day on, it is called, it, well, I should say it's not called Moses' staff, it's called the rod of God. You know, we've all seen the movie, right? You know, with, uh, you know, boys let my people go kind of thing, you know. And, 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 and I say that, but you'll read, you know, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. It doesn't matter what I do. <laughs> but uh, again, it, it's huge to understand what Moses learned in reference of what we learned. Moses had experiences with God, and the reason he was having them was to prepare him for his calling in life, what God had in store for him. You see, where you and I are at in, in today, in, in life, God is preparing us for our tomorrows and, and that call that is on each of our lives. And yes, I don't care who you are, there's a call on your life from God. God has purpose for you. God has destiny for you. Don't you dare buy into what the enemy says about you, that you've got all these problems. You've got all, that's exactly what we're being shown here in the Old Testament as far as who God is and what he's doing. God is preparing you for your tomorrows and for that call. You'll remember that before David came to the Goliath, he first had to face what? A bear and a lion, which prepared him for Goliath. God wants to build confident people in your life. But a confidence that is not in your strength, but in his. So we'll be prepared, really, to face the battles that are going to happen in life. Hello. You're going to have them. We all have them. Jesus promised us, you will have tribulation. But he tells you to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. That's, the, that's what the rod of God represents. Amalek is fighting him, okay? Fine. We're, <laughs> it 
it's, it's like Israel's going, uh, we're, going we're, we're, we're going to the rod of God. We're going to the rod of God, you. That's a, I, look at verse 10. I'll, I'll, I was going to make it, forget it. Verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. You know, it just, I've said this on more than one occasion, but I'll say it again tonight. What's in your hand? It's the rod of God, the power of God, the strength of God. That's what this represents. This, this rod represents his power, his strength. And, 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 and God, through faith, God, through faith, say it again. God, through faith, you got to understand, you will prevail. Not in, the word prevail means, and, and, and right there again, just, just notice what it's saying. It says that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. The word prevailed means not, you know, barely winning. It means they're dominating. They're kicking tail. I mean, it's, it's talking about blowouts that's going on here. Now, understand, the power of God in your life, those things that are hindering you, your life, God doesn't want you to just win. God wants you to dominate. Hello. You know, if I, if I go back here to the beginning of chapter 17 and verse 2, it says, Therefore, the people contended with Moses. You know what that represents? That represents not trusting in God. That, that's where that comes from. That's why the word says, do not get weary in well-doing in 2 Thessalonians. When we get fatigued, we're not connected to the right people. Hello? How many know what I mean when I say misery loves company? But we... <laughs> You know, it, when you got stuff to complain about, you want to complain with the people that, that complain as well. You know, it, it, it's, oh, it's amazing how that it draws itself together. And you got just, it's amazing. But I'll say it again. When we get fatigued, fatigued, we just, we don't connect. And, 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 and when his hands got heavy, they started losing. Many times when fear and fatigue walk in, Friend, faith has a way of walking out. So Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Sun. I, I love this. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, Aaron and Hur come in relationship and they support Moses. What I'm trying to say is, even though we have the power of God, we were not meant to walk this alone. God meant for all of us to be connected to one another, to see our lives changed. Not, 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 not to just learn about God, but to experience and taste God. We do that together in the body of Christ. Look, look at verse 14. 
It says, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Let me, let me just say this. That day is going to come. And when it does, it's all over. When, when it is finished, okay, there's, there's no more struggle. And, and, and it's an incredible day. Look, there is coming a time, we, we might as well, just, I'm going to lay it out there, where there's going to be no more pain, no more sickness, no more struggle, no more sorrow, spending all of eternity with an awesome God. And the enemy's name is going to be, I had sound effects, wiped out, period. Look at, look at verse 15, it says, and Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay. Let me let me let me tell you what Amalek represents in our lives and why God said this. Just as the Red Sea represented salvation that is free, Amalek represents our flesh, our, our human nature that is inclined to sin, that's always going to be a struggle in our lives as long as we are human beings and as long as we're alive. As long as we're on this earth, we're going to have war with Amalek, war with our flesh, our sinful nature. And the truth is, it never ends. There's nobody that is so spiritual, they'll never have a problem with the flesh. I don't care if you're Billy Graham or Benny Hand. Paul says this in Romans 7. You remember, I don't have it written down there, but he says, you know, the things that I want to do, those are the things I don't do. And the things that I do do, I don't want to do. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, wretched man that I am. And that's right before Romans 8, obviously, but, but that's what he's saying. There's this struggle that takes place. Why? Because there is this human part of us that represents the unregenerated part of man. God, when you get saved, guess what? This doesn't. This is not saved. This is what's saved. I'm not joined to Christ up here. I'm joined to Christ in here. This is in the process of being saved. I'm learning. I'm continuing to understand. I'm growing closer. I'm realizing I'm allowing this to be over this rather than this being over this. So we're talking about a process that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on right now. But, but the end result is, is, is that it's, it's this, this part of man that's fighting in the spirit. It's wanting to be selfish. That's, that's what our heads are all about. It's wanting to do what it shouldn't do and, 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 and reason what, oh, man, it get, our heads get us in a mess. Amen? So let me tell you, you have two enemies, and, and they're not people. Say that again. You have two enemies, and they're not people. Here they are. Number one, the world. Not everything in the world agrees with God. Uh -huh. I'm talking about the world system. I'm talking about cultures. For the most part, it, they are against the principles of God. And number two is your flesh, your human nature. It's what we inherited from Adam. 
How many know we didn't have to learn to be bad? We just bad, right? I mean, my, my, my newest granddaughter, Jelena, right? She's two and a half. And you know what? She didn't have to learn to be selfish. She just was selfish naturally. She's really good at it, too, let me tell you. But, but, but you see, this is our human nature. This is pre-Christ. Our experiences and our lives are shaped by those experiences. Now, we come to God. We come through the Red Sea, let's say, and now there's this war going on inside. We want to be free. We want to stop, and we want to get out of this stuff, and we don't want to be doing what we're doing, but it seems that we can't break free. That, that, that's, that's our sinful nature. That's why God says in Galatians 5.16 that we are to walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I wish I had an hour to spend on that little part. But enough to let, I say to you, you know, okay, maybe I can't spend the time with you, but the Holy Spirit will teach you all that. Walk in the Spirit where you're joined with Him. And as a result, here's the thing. We allow our hearts, our spirits, to be subject to our flesh. You don't believe me? Watch, um, I mean, you know I can get in trouble real easy. Watch some people on Sunday morning. With, but stand to worship. And they stand, and all of a sudden, a couple people, I'm tired, so my body begins to go, mm, I'm tired, I'm tired. Mm, sit down. Now, I know you don't have to be in a certain position to worship a place, but we're allowing the body, let's say, to, to, to put the heart subject to the body, let alone the mind. Oh, my goodness, we could spend time. But it says to walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're talking about a spiritual alignment here. This is subject to this. This is subject to this, which is subject to this. That's spiritual alignment. You, you break out from there. And friend, I'm going to tell you, you're going to know attack after attack, vulnerability after vulnerability. The Amalekites are going to nail you. Well, that's why I have good news for you. You and I can break free. You can overcome. You can have victory in those areas of our life. Let me, let me ask you, honestly, I mean, not with anybody saying it, but what is your battle? Is it fear? Maybe you're dealing with something in your life. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's sickness. You know, what is your battle that you're fighting? What's your Amalek? That's the question. Think about it, and let me let you know, there's a rod of God in your hand. Oh, yes, there is. There is an Aaron and a Her, and, and, and you need to be connected. It's just like to a local church other believers. There is a rod of God, and it represents the cross. It, it represents Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If you will partner with God and believe God and choose him, you will find the rod of God, the power of God at work in your life, and you begin to break free. We're talking about that which holds you back from becoming, becoming the person God wants you to be in, 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 in your job, in your marriage, in your family, in, in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. But we're talking about whatever's holding you back from becoming 
Look at verse 15 of, 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 of chapter 17 there. It says, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. That This means the Lord who fights for us, okay? God wants us to win. Amen? The, the, the Lord wants us to prevail. That, that's why they, they learned from this experience. And, and I say this because whenever Israel then went into battle, they had this banner, this huge banner. I mean, it's not some small flag they're waving up here like, like Carol would do. <laughs> like I said, I get into trouble fast, but it's okay. But, but no, no, I, this thing was, like I said, believe me, it was huge. When they went into battle, you notice that the tribe of Judah always went first. Any guesses why? I mean, do you remember what Judah means? It means praise. That, that, that is so huge, so important. Praise, friend, to me, praise precedes victory. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's everything, in everything. Judah would go first. Praise would go first. And you had this huge banner. I mean, this thing is huge that would say Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi. And that, that God was about to give the enemy a whooping they were never going to forget. And remember, he's the God who wants us to win. He's the God who wants us to prevail. So they would go into those different lands, and the Bible talks about the inhabitants of those lands, that they would hear the praise. They'd hear it. And, and they would see this huge banner as a result, and they would cry out, here comes the God who dominates. Here comes the God who wants them to win. And here comes the God who's going to prevail. The, the, basically, the inhabitants of the land, they're freaking out, man. They're, they're, they're just, ah, kind of thing. They, they, they would become terrified. And, and they'd go, here comes God. Friend, oh, how I would love for the church to be in that place today. Where as we go down the road, the world is saying, here comes God. Not here comes the church. Not here comes those people. But here comes God. And Israel and, and us, they dominate. Now listen, here's the point. And, and I know I only got uh, like a couple minutes, but I've got seven points I'm going to give you. Real quick. Point number one, God wants you to win. He wants you to dominate in life. And understand, they, they, they weren't just, again, barely winning. It was domination. Remember what Romans 8.37 says? We are more than what? Conquerors. Now, we've always talked about the more than, which is the word energia, which we, not energia, I'm sorry. Well, it's the word where we get hyper from. Uh, the Greek word I'm not going to try and explain right now, but enough to say it's where we actually get the word ADD. So, uh, if, not that, HD, forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm going fast here. But the whole point is that we're hyper conquerors, but do you know what the word conqueror actually means? The word that is conqueror here is the word dominate. We're hyper dominators. We are more than dominators through him who has loved us. How many of us know that when Jesus battled the devil, it was, it, it was well, it was a close one, wasn't it? No, it was a blowout. It was lopsided. It was dominated. The dominator himself, Christ Jesus, came and he came to take names. You know what I'm saying? 
He dominated sin. He dominated sickness. He dominated sadness. He dominated everything that was hindering you and me from our relationship with God. And when he said on the cross that it's finished, guess what? It was a blowout, friend. It was over. It was a landslide. He dominated. So when the Amalekites or Amalek dishes out, okay, you need to understand you serve a God who is El Shaddai. He, the God of more than enough is what that means. How, how many problems? Doesn't matter. The names. He is the name that is above every other name. And we can handle things, all things, through Christ who what? Strengthens us. When you see the names of God, the titles given to God are not only telling us what God's like, but also how to respond to these things. When we see the cross of Christ, What's that saying to us? I'll tell you what it's saying. That God's a winner. He is a dominator. And you are on God's team. And God's team doesn't lose. God's team wins. And he wants you to know that you are a winner. And that you are a conqueror. Point number two. Winners believe they can. Through faith we access the power of God in order to win in life. Remember, you're a child of God. You're a winner. Winners believe they can win. Winners don't show up to try to make the cuts. Winners show up believing that they're going to dominate. Our problem is we always set our goals so low. We're just trying to get by. You know, again, I had, oh, glory, I got a C minus on the test. Hallelujah. Let's raise our goals. God wants you to win. And by him, through him, you can, and I'm here to tell you, you will. Can, can we at least agree together that God is able? I mean, what's awesome is that he knows every hair on our, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Lori. He knows every hair on our head. <laughs> okay, like I said. It, it, but he knows every grain on the uh, sand on the earth as well. And, and he's able to talk to everybody at any time question is, do you believe that he can handle your problem? Here's the thing. If you don't remember anything else, try to remember this one. That is that God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. Point number three, winners focus on the rewards of success, not on the penalty of failure. Winners focus on the rewards of success, not the penalty. Look, in sports, you don't play thinking about how you're going to feel after you lose the game. What, te what team besides the Browns go out? I'm, I'm sorry. Winners focus on the rewards of success. They focus on how they're going to feel when they win. Point number four. We decide to win when we consistently make right choices according to God's word. You've been making some bad choices, so you've been losing in life. Guess what? The same way right now, you can decide, you can make the right choices to God's word, and you can turn it all around. Oh, yes, you can. Walk out what you believe, and you'll start dominating. Point number five, winning in life is our responsibility. It is our response to his ability. Winning in life is our responsibility. 
It is our responsibility to his responsibility. We've got to believe, friend, that he is able. Amen? I've got the rod of God, strength of God, the power of God. But Moses says, yeah, but no. You guys are going to have to get out there and fight. It's more than just the rod. It's, look, he's saying walk out what you believe in order to overcome. Point number six, and I love this one, winning is fun. Don't forget that. Winning is fun. When you experience wins in your relationship with God and, 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 and life, that's where it gets fun. For a lot of believers, unfortunately, they think that being able to do things that they used to do in life, you know, and how they used to enjoy this stuff, now they can't do because, you know, as a Christian, I can't, can't do this and I can't do that. And what does it do? It turns into bondage. And that's no fun. Because all I want to do is what I can't do. You know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe not. But that was me. And I say this because, you know, I, what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do. And here's the thing. Here's where we go in in the problems all the time. We make this thing. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to work this from the outside. Work this. You know, we're, we're trying to get this stuff to work right, to do the things that we're supposed to do and, and continue. To what we don't realize is, is, again, we're using this to dominate this. This is not an working something from the outside in. This is about something being worked from the inside out. And, and, and when I say that, I, I, I'm saying that, that what happens is when I turn my focus to him, when I look to him, when I begin to follow, when I begin to, mm, in here, the desires change. So it's not that I'm allowed, I'm not allowed to do this anymore. All of a sudden from within, don't want to do this. It's not me. The desires changed. And, 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 and that's when it becomes fun. When your prayers are answered and your life is, is, is turned around, your, your marriage, your job, your death, it's fun. You, you begin to get some, wind, some wins under your belt, and, and that's when it's fun. Why? Because you've defeated Amalek by the power of God, and now you have the joy of God in your life. We praise and we celebrate the Lord, our banner, the God who fights for us, the God who wants us to win, the God who gives us the victory, the one who dominates, who wants us to win. You're, you're God's child, friend. So, so <laughs> throw out that staff, man. Use, he wants you to see that you overcome. He's the God of the impossible. Oh, yes, he is. And we got to be like Moses. I mean, is, 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 Amalek, is Amalek attacking? Then, you know, hey, fine, bring it on. We're not fearful. We're not afraid. And we have the power of God. Again, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Point number seven. We win because God loves us. I, I need to end this this way. And, and that is, it's not just so that we can dominate. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about him. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, it says this, his banner over me is love. Would you stand with me?
He loves you. And He wants you to be everything that He has called you to be. That's why this is an old song that I love the words of it. It's, it's a very short song. But if you remember it, sing it with us. Sing it with us as we share it together. Oh, how He loves you. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for reminding us, for turning our heads to focus, to see, to know, to understand. God, we are more than dominators through you who have loved us to look to you, to rest in you. There's a lot of Amaleks out there that are coming after us, trying to bring us down, trying to hinder us from that relationship and shut us down. But we stand here this night knowing that through you, because you love us, we are more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from that love. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, guide them, protect them, keep them safe. Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give him praise one more time here tonight? Amen.